0: Good morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good, morning. Good
1: morning. Welcome to the Universal Church of Eugene. I, I flashed my sign to Jason earlier. Meaning two, two weeks, two weeks till he becomes a dad.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. i
1: excited. Life is about to change in many ways. Yes. <laughs> um, very excited. Like, I have some handouts to pass out to you. It's in uh, regard to our... Uh, Studies we're having out of the Book of Mark now. Here's a one you can take. Uh, it's one page, and there's a, a packet of, of three pages. Uh, make sure you get each and one of those. We're going to be going out of the packet of three state uh, pages for the uh, lesson today. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thank Jesus said uh, the night he's uh, arrested, he says, "I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me." may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus talks about the idea, what I have spoken, what I've come to do is make God known to others. And As we uh, open the Word of God today, as we start the book uh, of of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, it's the idea to have a deeper, closer, abiding relationship with God. And that is the very reason which you and I were created, was to fulfill this desire that God wanted to have relationships we would call it with his children, but an eternal relationship of oneness with him, which gets into the idea of marriage and children and being made in his image and how those help us understand God of marriage and children. Uh, amazing things uh, that God has shown us in a pathway he's provided for us to draw closer to him because he wants this relationship with us. And we're studying the, the book of Mark, and I'm passing out these things so you will get some ideas. Some of them I just printed out some thoughts I had, and some of them were, were more of a point-by-point point study through the, the first 20 verses of, of a chapter 1 of the book of Mark. Uh, but I've had these so they will inspire us <clears throat> to be in a deeper walk in, through the Scriptures so that we will know our Father. That's why Jesus came and preached what he preached, so we would know our Father. We were not created so we could amass a fortune or get a degree or have a big house or drive whatever car we want to drive and so we could know our Father. To love him back and show others that love to others also. The two greatest commandments. Yes, do we need a job? Yes, do we need to pay the bills? Of course. But that's not why we were here. We're here to know our Father. Before I proceed to Mark 1, a, a quick announcement here. For uh, any young professionals, meaning uh, singles or, or marrieds, uh, if you would like to go on a uh, Young Professionals uh, Hope uh, Volunteer Corps to Nepal, Kathmandu, Nepal, wow. there's an opportunity to do that coming up uh, this, this next summer. If you want to go on that, see me, or, or look up at the Hope uh, Worldwide website, and, and look up the possibility of going to uh, Nepal. Uh, uh, we kept my new to Paul and, and served there for a couple of weeks. Uh, been amazing opportunities uh, to do that. Uh, I got to take my son to uh, Haiti to serve in an orphanage for almost two weeks uh, back when he was uh, had finished 10th grade, and it changed his life. It changed my life as well. So if you'd like to serve in that way, please uh, see me or look on the, uh, the Hope website. So, Mark chapter 1. Here we go. Dan introduced the. Uh, series idea of of going through the book of Mark uh, last Sunday. And our midweeks will also be covering topics we preached about on Sunday, as well as topics and points within certain scriptures of Mark that we can't cover on Sundays just because of sheer time that we'll follow up on our our midweek services. So the men and women midweeks, as well as our Sunday service, is covering the book of Mark. This idea that we've just opened the Word of God. In the Old Testament, When a a priest would get up and and open the scriptures, what would would people do? They would stand up. Sometimes for hours as it was read. That kind of reverence and awe towards God's word. This is a book about the good news of of the love and forgiveness of God. A person wrote this. I don't mean just John Mark. God used John Mark as a pencil, if you will, but writing what he wanted. Speaking of the relationship and revealing himself to us. Yes, the Bible was written by 40 individuals over a period of 1,500 years, which is an amazing point to be making themselves, as they grew up during all that, that time frame. But this is about our Father expressing his eternal love for us. He wants this eternal relationship with us. He's the one that created life, invented communication, who values our relationship above anything else, even religion. We love because he first loved us.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because of his love, we can trust and abide by the word of God, even when we struggle to accept certain things God says in here. It's kind of like a, a parent telling us something as we're growing up. And we don't like it at first. And we even you know, rail against it. But later in life, we realize the value of what we were being asked to, to do. This idea of repentance is a theme you'll see here, here in the, the first chapter of of the book of Mark. Metanoia is the Greek word. meaning a change of mind that leads to a change of life. Well, God wants us to live what he considers the human side of life. We can give in to the societal or animal side of life if we want. But he's offering and wants something very different from us. He leaves it a choice because it he wants it to be about love, not about you becoming forced, coerced, or simply a pet of his. It just simply obeys his beck and call. So he gives us a choice. You can reject him, even with attitude. Or you can decide to pursue him and become what you were what you and I were predestined to be, which is to be like Jesus doesn't mean just because you're here you are God we're predestined to become like Him. we can reject that propensity and go with another propensity we might have in life and there are many things that we are, are tempted by in life and because of our, just our DNA makeup or what we experienced growing up in our home we can have these certain propensities to do certain things that are opposed to God's will we can just simply give in to that. Or we can accept that God has a way for me to live. In, to live No matter what my past experiences were or leanings have been, I can follow if God if I want to. And I can have victory over those things and follow Him. I didn't say perfection. But we can learn to be righteous yeah. if we want. And one of the themes you'll see is that we get something from God called the Holy Spirit upon our conversion to Christ so we can be able to overcome those propensities of the past and live the way God would want us to, accepting our predestination from him, that I can live this way if I so choose, but I don't have to. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. So John came baptizing the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins in public, confessing their sins, they are baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore a clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize with water, but he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came to Nazareth and Galilee. And was baptized by John in Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open, and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, "You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased." And once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert <coughs> on forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals and angels attended him, at him. I love this starkness and just the matter of fact and to the point that, that, that John Mark writes. Verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net in the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. What an amazing set of scriptures here, theology, background, references to the Old Testament. So much is happening here. John Mark moves so fast. I love how he writes. He gets in there, he's, he's, he doesn't pursue the genealogies of, of Matthew, and he's not talking about you know, how John went all the way back to the creation of the universe and even before that, saying, In the beginning was. <laughs> he says, Listen, in the beginning was the gospel about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, started with John the Baptist. Moved quickly into Jesus, and then moves fast in the, the rest of the chapter, of, of, of the first chapter, of talking about Jesus' ministry and life. He just got into it. Preaching about Jesus. Speaking about the life we're to live and to follow. Well, this first point I've, I've got to express because I'm so inspired by this, is the humility of God how he expresses himself in coming to this planet, for one. You look at this amazing uh, a way that God comes to the to planet Earth as a baby, that the creator of the universe, something even bigger than all we can possibly see or know, comes to us as an infant, a baby, going through the, the birth process, born to a, an unwed teenage mom, <laughs> the, the fiance, of, whose fiance had to be convinced to marry her by an angel. And then he has somebody like John the Baptist be the herald to pronounce he is coming. Kind of this strange Obi-Wan Kenobi desert fellow. And that's how God chose to come to this earth. One of the the pieces of paper I passed out had about the, the introductions that God used for Jesus coming to this planet. Down, I think, the kind of halfway down through that page. And I wrote that out just as thoughts, because it might be a great inspirational personal study for you to even look at the humility of God, that here's how God chose to announce, and who he chose to announce his arrival on this planet as a human being. The only one that had any kind of influence was King Herod, and that was to kill the baby Jesus. I think it goes back to the idea that it's so easy for us to place value on people's lives by what they're doing and how they look and what they've accomplished in our, in our way of thinking. Whereas God looks at us as, as all of his children with a love of a father that that's my son and that's my daughter and I want them to be willing, willing to conform to the life that I've created them. And I want that to be provided for all my children, regardless of how they look to each other, how they treat one another. I want them all to go to have this opportunity.
0: Yep.
1: Amen. Uh, I like this idea of John the baptizer. That, of course, that's why he was called John the Baptist, because he baptized. Not that he had a particular denominational belief. He, he was a baptizer of people after their confession of willingness to change their life baptize them. So much of this is said in the first chapter of the book of Mark about the idea of baptism. That there's a process that you and I take to marry God of our belief, our repentance, our baptism into Christ. I uh, I passed out in a packet with you, I think it's the second page of it, is about baptisms of the Bible. And some of you may know some of those real real quick. What, What are some of the Old Testament baptisms that you can think of real fast? Noah, yes, we're we're baptized uh, um, uh, by uh, by by Noah in Moab, and also into Moses. You read the paper there. (laughs) No. (laughs) I have some down that are listed from uh, the Old Testament, and some are from um, rabbinic teachings. And the, the Jewish thinking was there. Some of us know from. From um, even New Testament scriptures, how how there are certain washings that were done of the hands, cups, and pitchers and kettles. But there are also whole body washings taught in in, in, a, in the Old Testament among Jewish teaching, especially that that inter uh, period of between Old Testament, and New Testament, about 450 years. And I put some references down there that you could Google or look up, and you can see some of those. Just if you want to go a little bit deeper in the studies that you do have.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I, I like what uh, Francis Chan said in one of his uh, sermons. You know, he's that kind of famous religious orator and uh, author, as you may know. Uh, and he kind of is teaching a little bit against some of the some teaching that that's prevalent today, this idea of uh, about baptism, because in our, our culture we have sort of taken everything out and just said, hey, just believe and you're fine. I'll get to this here in a little bit. But, but he made the point that, <clears throat> This idea of baptism—it's in the Bible. Let's get over it. I know that's a reference back to the the other side of that coin, which is Calvinism and one of the, some of the five tenets of, of Calvinism. Why some people consider that a work? Um, I love how unabashedly John the Baptist shows up, and he's out in the desert. This is an a interesting desert. reference in of itself. A desert. Yes. That this is many of the the uh, especially that intermittent time between the Old Testament, a lot of great leaders who led Israel and would, would rail against the, some of the Greeks and Romans one day, they started from out of the desert because they fled the, the uh, occupation and uh, the oppressiveness and gathered people around them would come from the desert back to try to liberate the people. So this idea of being out in the desert was, was not an uncommon idea. Matter of fact, uh, what he ate I think was kind of, kind of uncommon but I got a couple pictures here for you. You guys know what a locust is? I, I used to think when I was a kid that locusts were cicada, you know, the little things that made the noise at night, they left a the little uh, exoskeleton on, on the tree. Th- that's what that cicada is. Uh, now, I don't think it's talking about that. If you'll flip back to the previous one, I think that's probably what they talked about, because they swarm, and they, they can attack uh, crops. And if some of you guys are into, into biology and etymology, or you might know a little bit better than I do, but uh, I, I'm not sure if I have another one. this one, and then the cicada, and now that's it. That's your meal. I've I mentioned before. I've actually gotten to eat something like that. You ever had that?
0: Um, not really. I <laughs> know.
1: <laughs> when I was in Cambodia one time, they, they had a singles event, and and uh, one of the snacks was a bowl of of crickets boiled in oil. A lot of things are eaten over there that are boiled in oil. Water bugs, tarantulas, uh, all kinds oh, of things. What? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, you buy them on little vendors' kiosks on the streets so when you when you go to kind of the, the, the Food trucks in Cambodia, it's not food. Uh, <laughs> and so I saw the bowl of crickets going, on. I, I can't be here and not try at least one. <laughs> you could
0: have. Actually, you could, you're could have. Rich <laughs> <God>. <laughs>
1: so the full experience was because they said, well, you, you, can pick, you can pull the wings off and eat it, that might be a little bit better. But I said, you know what? I need the full experience. Was <laughs> I, I <laughs> it you're crunchy? crunchy? Well, the wings did make it a little more crunchy, yes. I took one, and you know, <laughs> I understand. I would like to have had some kind of, you know, McDonald's coffee your chicken nugget. You <laughs> I, I understand. I understand the honey thing now. Like I get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I chewed on that thing for a while, but I don't think <laughs> I'm going to have another. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been cooked, so I think I'm okay. But the taste was very different from a Western taste of food. Um, <laughs>
0: Surprising.
1: <laughs> it's not a taste I'm looking to go back to, but you no, know, I, I thought like I needed. to I'm there. I, I needed to, to do what you do in Cambodia, and that was one of those things you do in Cambodia. So I, I had it. So this guy is out there wearing a you know, camel's hair outfit with a belt around it, eating and eating locust wild honey. Anybody have the reference of who that reminded would remind people of? Second Kings 1. Elijah? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of references here for the Jewish mind. Yes, yes, the the idea of of a leader coming from the desert and wearing the the camel hair and the belt. And I don't know about the locusts and wild honey, but anyway, he did that the rest of it, you remind people of this Elijah type character. And people would go out to listen to him. And they would confess their sins publicly. We, we like the idea today, I have my privacy. <laughs> and my phone company better protect my privacy. And my, my, my mutual fund better protect my privacy. And they send you all those things in the mail and about the privacy stuff. And we talk about it a lot. But, but guys, well, if you want to get right, here's the opportunity. What are we saying? You should, well, nobody should know about my life. When we protect ourselves what are we really saying <clears throat> the expectation here is that yeah you come out and you confess your sins it says the whole countryside in jerusalem people are coming out your neighbors were there your boss was there you confess sins you what and you work for me i love the humility
0: yeah
1: as god came to this earth in a humble manner so I need to learn from that humility. Exposing my life is okay, and the deeds I have done is okay. There really is nothing wrong with that. As a minister, I like to practice confidentiality. People say to me, "Hey, I got something to tell you," but, but don't you can't tell anybody else. And I said, "No, let me stop you. I, I have to say, and, and give you an understanding here, is that." I can't make that promise because I might need to seek advice from somebody else if I don't know the answer But the confidentiality is I won't be taking this as somebody that has nothing to do with this and can't help in this and can't give me any advice I won't come to that, that's kind of gossip, but if, if I need to go to somebody else for for help on this I might need to So please I want you to understand that please tell me I want to help but I want you to understand that as well It's like when I stand up here and talk about things in in my life or my family's life. I don't want to be somebody hiding something.
0: Come on, Kelly.
1: This humility before God is a humility he practiced before us. I love this about God. He wants us to be humble, but he started that himself with that example. expected as well to have that approach. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. You go on. And even you see John the Baptist this humility in verse 7. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I. It's hard to talk about somebody being better than that, you. Head to head comparison, they just outshine you. We don't like that idea, do we? John is like, listen, this guy's about me head, be, me heads down every possible way you can imagine. The thongs of his sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Taking off his shoes and washing his feet, I, I'm not even worthy to do that. I baptize you with water, and just doing what God's asking me to do. But He's going to baptize you the Holy Spirit. He's going to give you a peace of God so you can live this life, fulfill your destiny. This predestination to, to live like him, if you want. I didn't say that, but he's going to provide all that. I'm just I'm just a parrot here. I just tell you about, you know, confess your sins, be baptized, uh, live living a different life. I'm just I'm just getting the message right, right out that he's coming, and I'm not I'm not worthy to, to untie his shoes. And he's going to provide something that will change your life in all eternity for everyone if they want it. I think of someone who's powerful and able to do anything they want, yet they choose to be humble. I love that. I think about the humility of Christ as he grew up, as he got older, and had these superhuman powers, yet he could do anything at any time. Even if you, I'm tempted to be annoyed with you or angry with you or don't like your pride and arrogance, instead of humbling you and say, i oh, just humble them, put them in a place, he refrained from that. And many times we did commit uh, and performed a miracle, it was out of compassion for someone's needs. He so said, You've got to be quiet about this because that's not why I'm here to give God's message, His word. I'm not here to be, you know, some cave crusader or something. I, I'm here to be able to teach about God, and His love for you. Please don't get mixed up about why you're here. Please don't talk about this. I'm glad I could help you, but I love how he came this <laughs> planet and allowed himself to be tempted just like you and I are. You know the, the, the Hebrew Scripture that He allowed himself to be tempted and be put in these compromising positions where you'd have to say yes or no to this. Wow. As you continue on in this second point of that that sheet I had about the sermon, uh, obedience of Jesus, it kind of flows right into this. Now starting verse 9, it says, At that time Jesus came from the Nazarene, um, came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John and Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. The Spirit descended on him like a dove, and a voice of one from <laughs> heaven if You're my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. And at once the Spirit sent him out the desert. And he was in the desert for 40 days to be tempted by Satan. He was with wild animals, and angels attended him. This idea of, of, of obedience I'm going to obey God. The baptism, and a willingness to be sent out the desert to be tempted. And I'm going to be this sacrifice, this Lamb of God. I, I look at the names that Jesus was given, <laughs> these animal names, if you will, and the
0: uh, in,
1: in the Bible. I was on a date many years ago before I was married with a sister of the Church in Boston, and she said, "Let's play this game. Let's play this game." Uh, this word gave us okay. And she says, "What kind of animal would you want to be if you could be any animal?" I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I thought that. Thought, I want to be a majestic high-flying ball of eagle. That's what my yeah. Jesus accepted the idea that he'd be the Lamb of God. A hen protecting his his chicks and a dove would, would be descending upon him to show God's spirit approval. Those are not three animals I think I would have chosen. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all animals that were used as sacrifices at the temple, or in life to feed. Even the example about the hen, uh, how she would put her wings out and the chicks could run over, but she would put her wings out, flap at at, at the fox as it it approached, with the idea that the fox would grab me, but the chicks could run away. The sacrifice that he was being obedient, this lamb of God that John the Baptist would call him a little bit, that even not just a sheep but a, a baby sheep, this lamb. That he'd be willing to sacrifice and die for me and you i love this how he says okay i'll be t- i'll be sent out in the desert for 40 days to be tempted in, a- in amazing ways and so when it says over in hebrew 4 that he was tempted in every way just like you and me that is reality that is true and god allowed that and accepted that i'm thinking i'm the creator of the universe i'm here to show you the way i'm not going to let you have that kind of authority temptation from the evil and the dark side and and, and Satan, no. But he did. And he said, no. He did not sin. And he's been tempted, as you and I have, in every way. So it does not work and will not be excused when we say, yeah, I'm not living the way God wants, but it's not really my fault because God made me this way. Yeah, our own, our own youngest, our daughter said that it's not really my fault because God made me this way. No, I'm sorry. Would well, you have a propensity for that, perhaps? Maybe we grew up and just allowed ourselves to have fantasies about something way too long. I've shared too many times. I I grew up learning about the birds and the my My from, from the Playboy magazines that my parents bought for us because my dad didn't want to teach us so he let the magazines do it. Yes, I had a propensity growing up. Uh, when I when I hit puberty at ages 12 and 13, those images in my mind, yeah, I, I could have gone all kinds of ways. But I didn't want to. If we excuse ourselves for any behavior that God teaches against, you say, well, it's really God's fault. He, he made me this way. This is my... DNA draw when I was my parents, uh, you know, I was conceived. In the hand I was dealt, so it's the hand I got to play. So that's, that's, that's the way it is. Now, God has given us even His Holy Spirit so that we would have absolutely no excuse whatsoever to change and become anything God's asked us to be. I don't know if you're there in that place because many in our world today say, well, you are who you are. Let that inner self come out and express it and be it, whatever it is, and celebrate it. sorry. It's not a scriptural teaching.
0: Okay.
1: I love how it got uh, said uh, through Paul to the first Corinthians, churches in, in Corinth, in the book of first Corinthians. How he list a number of things that, that they uh, had been living in and sins they had been involved with. He says, but that's what some of you were. were. Hmm. But you're washed, sanctified.
0: Amen. I love that. Yep.
1: It doesn't matter where we have been god wants us with him now no matter what attitude we had towards god in the past no matter what life we lived no what attitudes we had no matter what actions we we dove into god says i want you back with me when the prodigal son came back after as the older brother said yeah dare you let him back in the house he went out and wasted your wealth on, on prostitutes and wild living father was just happy to have his son back repentant. The son came back and said, Dad, I'm sorry, I've been wrong, and wouldn't even let him finish his, you know, expression of his repentance. He just hugged him. He said, I'm just happy you're back. That's our father. That's our God. And that's the message he once said in these Gospels, the good news of, of which Mark, of course, Matthew, Luke, and John as well. I, I got some stuff about how you know, each of those Gospels were introduced in one of the pages i passed out, how they, they started so that many people with many different ideas and upbringings would be able to have more of a view of how God really wants us. Why not just have one gospel, one story of Jesus? Because he wants as many as possible to get it. He, he's, I'll say, I, I understand you, you have different views and upbringings. I'm trying to appeal to all those so that you will see this love that I want you back, that I'm willing to forgive. Amen. That's our God. I love this how in verse 11, the voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. I love this that, well pleased, he's just starting his ministry. He hasn't been preaching, he hasn't performed any miracles, he hasn't changed any lives yet, he hasn't died on the cross yet. yet God says, I'm well pleased. God's well pleased with us, not a matter of what we produce.
0: Right. Amen. Amen. Come on, Kelly.
1: He's well, well pleased then. with all of us as his sons and daughters. I love you, and I'm well pleased with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And because of that love, I feel inspired to teach others about that love,
0: mm-hmm. to
1: be mentors to others, to put stuff in a truck, an old truck, and drive around and stop where people are camped out and give out stuff. Where a lot of times there's very little gratitude. There's all all kinds of things I can tell you, all kinds of stories I can tell you, but because of that love and because of that acceptance. That God says, I'm well pleased with you already. I want others to know about that. And I'm inspired to please God even more, if that's possible. Right. This idea of, uh, of discipleship you see in the first chapter of Mark what an amazing life God has put before us. And I've got it listed here on the sheet of paper as number three daily discipleship of Jesus. And the reference over to Luke 9 23. Where Jesus said, We've got to carry our cross daily. And I love that in the Bible that our, our relationship with God is daily. It's not a, every once in a while, it's not an hour on Sunday morning, it's not whatever. It's a daily relationship with God. It's just not like my relationship with my wife, my kids, it's a daily relationship.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a daily relationship with God. Verse 14 says, After John was put in prison, John, John the baptizer, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaimed the good news of God. The time has come, <clears throat> the kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Mm-hmm. It speaks about the kingdom of God. We become a part of the kingdom of God, part of His family. We're baptized in the Christ in 1 Corinthians 12 13. We're baptized in His family, it says. And when the family meets, the expectation is the family's there. I want to be there. I want to be there. Our kids growing up, uh, we had three kids, uh, especially Austin, our son, would always want us, many times, to say, Dad, I don't feel good. I don't want to go to school today. <laughs> yeah, I've I mentioned before and we'd always say, hey, if you have a fever, okay, you can stay home. But if you don't, you gotta go. And if you do get sick, and it comes out even more, at school call us, we'll come pick you up. But the idea that, you know, when the family meets, I'm there. I'm not looking for an excuse not to be there. I've had that time in life where I was looking for an excuse not to be there. Oh, there's plenty of times, even today I feel tired. i'm I'm an older guy now and i'm thinking gee is this really going to help me to be there do i have maybe not but you know what i can help somebody else and it might encourage me in ways i don't even realize yet and when the christians meet i'm a part of that family and the second point believe and repent it's a difficult teaching today this idea that belief and repentance are hand in glove that they're parallel that they're part of one another you can't just take one without the other. It's a popular teaching today, but it's, it's not what you see in the scriptures the do. that I can believe, but you know repentance that's sort of iffy and maybe sort of <laughs> kind of no. That part of my belief is repentance.
0: Yep.
1: Part of my repentance is my belief. The idea of repentance, metanoia is I I change my beliefs. This is the good news he's speaking of. Belief is not just well. I accept that Jesus is the Savior. I mean, satanic forces believe that. Yet part of that is that I'm repentant as well. Jesus says, "Come and follow me." You go down, verse 16. As Jesus walked inside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon's and brother Andrew casting at lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said. I'll make you fishers and men at once. They left their nets and followed him. This idea of come follow me, uh, to me, that's the Boiled down, definition of Christianity: yeah. I'm following Jesus, and what I allow to think about, the attitudes I have. I'm learning what, what, how He lived, and what He believed, and what God believes. To have this relationship with God, by becoming more and more like Jesus, I'm following Him. Not the clothes I wear or my hairstyle or anything like that. I don't have to call, talk King James uh, language to be able to have a relationship with God. But, you know, I, I can go to Him. Amen. I follow Jesus to God. I can't just make up my own way how to get to God. I follow Jesus. Yes, that's the the, the really you know fifty thousand foot, you know, you know, several million miles view down. I, I'm becoming like Jesus. Now we can zero in and focus in. as part of what we're studies of marketing. What do I do to actually do that? Details, but the idea is that I'm following Jesus. He says, "I'll make you fishers of men." Those even professing to be Christian disciples of Jesus say, "Well, why do we have to talk about evangelizing? It's just a word, the idea of of letting people know about God's love." Jesus says, "Come follow me, and we're not just going to figure out religious things to do. We're going to make disciples of others, the fishers of men." Oh yes, when I first was baptized in Christ, I did not want to do this. Not because I disagreed with it theologically, but because I was afraid of what other people thought about me when I should talk if I were to talk about God in the Bible.
0: Yep.
1: That scared me, because I knew some of the attitudes yeah. people would have towards me. That's why I didn't want to do it. But you see clearly that's part of a, of a follower of Jesus, not just here, Matthew 9, Matthew 2, so many other places. You know, in Acts, Acts 8 and 4 when the, when the Christians had to leave Jerusalem except like Peter and some of the apostles uh, since they preached the word wherever they went they had to leave because they are going to be arrested or killed and even while they are leaving and going to that place they preached the word wherever they went wow I want people to know about this I get that experience of love of God because somebody taught me because somebody was a mentor to me I want to be a mentor Someone else. I have to accept being, allow myself to have a mentor, be a mentee. And that's a pride issue right there in and of itself. Am I yes. willing to accept that? To be taught scriptures more thoroughly and adequately by somebody? Am I willing to accept that? And then will I turn around and allow, allow myself to be a mentor to somebody else and <coughs> teach them those scriptures in a much deeper way? And actually looking for people people I meet and know in my neighborhood, people I walk with in the mall in the mornings, uh, people in, in line at, at Safeway or Starbucks that I, I can talk to and talk about the go-to truck. I'm looking for folks that will allow me to be a mentor spiritually. <coughs> I hope that's still something that you allow to be in your heart that I want to be a spiritual mentor to others. To teach them about God's love. I'm going to conclude here. And uh, I look at the time when I'm Wow, I knew I needed to speak of this in about 30 minutes and uh, keep it that. That's why I passed out a lot of things that you can look at, a lot of things I would like to have said today. But please let this be used to inspire you to be in the scriptures. As I um, would like to conclude as, and give it a conclusion. And here's an interesting question to consider How do I examine my discipleship of Jesus? What metrics or parameters do I use to even think about that? My relationship with God, how how do I view that? How do I I look at it as either good or not good? How how, how how would I make that assessment? I believe that God explains in the Bible what it means to have a daily, abiding relationship with him. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I would encourage you to continue looking in the scriptures. (coughs) In a deeper way. And if there hasn't been daily study of the scriptures in your life, if you could start that and even invite somebody to be a part of that study. If somebody invites themselves to be a part of your studies, let them encourage them. Say, yes, please. I'll even even buy you a cup of coffee if you meet me and and, and show me some scriptures. Let's welcome that in our lives. Let's welcome discipleship of Jesus. Let's welcome the humility of God in our lives. Welcome the obedience that Jesus had to learn it that reference of Hebrews 5 and 7 that we didn't go through. Jesus Christ had to learn obedience in his life. If he has to learn obedience,
0: Amen. what about me? Yeah, on, Let's pray.
1: God, thank you so much for your love that we get to look at your scriptures. We get to look at the Gospel of Mark. I pray it's a springboard to study in the, the Gospel of Mark, but not only the, just the Gospel of Mark, but Matthew and Luke and John and the scriptures in the whole. I pray we'll read through the book of Mark and and take it all in as a whole, and also study specific places mm-hmm. to get a greater background. We'll, we'll bring in commentaries and ask others questions that will really make this an understanding of the life you have for us. Thank you so much for your love, that you want us with you no matter where we've been. So then we pray. Amen. Amen.